It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. That's some fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Wednesday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by the New York Lottery right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Paul Dottino with you. The phone number is 973-667-1960. You can give us a call there. You can send in your tweets to hashtag Giants Chat. I actually got one earlier today. We'll address that question a little bit later on in the show. Of course, we're in Senior Bowl week here. You can go check out our Senior Bowl coverage on Giants.com. My 2.30 a.m. filed practice report from yesterday is up there. So if that report or me today are slightly incoherent, I apologize. The Senior Bowl took a long time getting that practice footage up. And by the time I got through both full practices, it was quite late. So I'm a little weary. Uh, Paul had to edit it this morning, so he he knows what's in the report. too. But we, <laughs> we will talk about that with you all day today. Mr. Dettino, how are you, sir? Hello, John. Actually, some good news. I, I, we didn't get a chance to talk a whole lot before the show. ESPNU is televising the practices live today. Oh, are they really? Yes, they are. Oh, that so is very this good would news. be this would be good news for your sleepiness with a chance to actually become a human being again tonight. Who is doing the practices? Because obviously you have Daniel Jeremiah and Andrew Siciliano and Bucky Brooks doing it for network. Do you know Louis who's doing Riddick, it for Louis R- Riddick is uh, is part of the cover. Oh, that's pretty good. Um, All right. So so uh, this should help those who have ESPNU. I know that is not. Uh, one of the more uh, distributed ESPNs, uh, I guess, you know, the others being the regular and the ESPN2. But if you have the U, uh, it would be something you could look for today. Well, thank you for the heads up, Paul. I was not yep. aware of that. So make sure you folks go check that out. I believe the first practice starts at like one thirty, I think, or something mm, like that. I'm not Give sure today. Neither am I. But make sure you go check your local listings, as they say, in the business. So, Paul, from yesterday, and I <laughs> I wrote this knowing you were going to read it, and I did it with a smile. A lot of the smaller wide receivers did a really nice job Wise guy. in practice yesterday. I know all about it. <laughs> no, obviously, for you folks that listen to the show, know that Paul DeTito is looking for that skyscraper wide receiver, and there were one or two that we could talk Nico about. Nico Collins! We can, we can have that conversation, but I want to talk about And by the way, Nico Collins did have a couple pretty good moments in practice. He did. Uh, yesterday that we could talk about. But, you know, I think and this is probably why it's a little skewed these one-on-ones and what you get out of these practices most of all folks for those of you that don't really you know watch practices or have been to a practice before at senior bowl what makes it so valuable is watching these one-on-ones right because you get to see what these guys can do in isolation against other players that are some of the best at their position in college football especially for some of the smaller school guys that maybe aren't don't you know don't go up against super talented guys every week or they play in a scheme where you don't really have to play press man you get to really see these guys mano a mano and see how they handle good competition and really that's what you get out of these practices Paul to see how these guys operate mm-hmm. and you get a really good feel for their athleticism uh, talent and skill, all those things together in, in just a few hours instead of having to watch a billion hours of tape, which all these guys have done anyway. But yeah. for the people that have other things to do uh, or other jobs like we do over the course of the year, it's a nice shortcut to learn a lot about these guys in a short period of time. Well, it's another piece to the puzzle, that's for sure. I, I, I don't like to base a lot of what I see on this because I still want to watch game tape oh, when of I course. get a you chance. Have to. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, the games are still the thing. 
but it does give you another piece to the puzzle. I think the one area, and and I know you've been to the Senior Bowl a few times, John, the one area that maybe carries a little bit more weight than maybe some of the other areas are the one-on-one pass rush drills. Yeah, for sure. To me, there's a little more beef on that bone in that particular drill than anything else that they'll do during Senior Bowl week. Yeah, I, I get a lot out of the wide receiver cornerback stuff just because I think you can see. Here's how I look at it. If these wide receivers can't separate in a one-on-one drill like this, they have no chance. Because it's rarely in the NFL do you actually have a corner on the island with no help, one-on-one and man-to-man. And if you do, you better win if you're going to be any good. So to me, if you can't separate in these drills and one-on-ones, guess what? You're not going to do it in the NFL, and I'm going to write you off as a player that I'm not going to draft. <laughs> no, I'm serious, okay. right? No, it, I, I get it. I get it. I think there, there, there's something to that, although um, it's still difficult for me sometimes to look at a guy in a one-on-one practice drill and say, well, how's he going to perform in a game? We all know the game speed is different. Right. Adrenaline is different. Right. Again, I'm not going to draft somebody purely based on the drill, Paul, but I will rule somebody out based on the drill. Like, for example, uh, I forget his name. I was looking. Um, One of the guys I saw yesterday, I'm not trying to be mean and and, and single out one guy, but there was a bigger Notre Dame wide receiver doing drills yesterday um, at wide receiver, and I'm looking through the roster here. I'm looking for his name. Um, Ben Skorinek. Skorinek. Oh, yeah. Notre Dame wide receiver. And in college, boy, did he produce. Yeah. and then did Big you see him? time producer. And then did you see him try to get open at the Senior Bowl yesterday? It, it, he, he had a hard time. He couldn't even get off the line of scrimmage. He had a hard time. Impressed coverage. So that's the type of thing where, you know, it helps tell you maybe what production is real and what production isn't. You know what well, I mean? So I, I'm going to take the counter on this, John. Okay. And again, I appreciate what you're saying. I'm not saying that you're wrong. I think it's a level of how much do you want to uh, put on that? What's your emphasis on that? Because now let's say, okay, that he did not face any type of press coverage or physicality in college, so he doesn't know how to handle it. Well, now all of a sudden he gets this this guy, you know, in his grill, and, and he doesn't know what to do. Well, that doesn't mean that he can't be taught. Yeah, but I, I want to see the physical and athletic tools capable of beating that, and I I'm not it. sure I saw that. I, you know what I, I mean? And I, it's, fa- it's a fair thing. I think what you're telling me is, what I would say is, the difference between what we're trying to say is that I would say there's a question that needs to be answered or explored more. You're a little bit more of, I really don't like that. Maybe you're, you're putting a red flag up, and I'm putting a yellow flag okay. up. Okay, I think that's fair. I think that's a fair way to put it. Anyway, yeah. let let me reference my report here. Some of the guys that, that really stood out a wide receiver first. Boy, the kid, Demetric Felton, who was a converted running back. He's only 5'8". He's only 189 pounds. <laughs> but, Paul, for a converted running back, yeah. there was no one that could cover this kid. He's at a UCLA. He was leaving guys in his wake. And you know how these NFL teams love these, you know, versatile guys that can do a lot of different things? He Mm -hmm. seems like one of those, you know, probably early day three, you know, fourth or fifth round picks where you put him in there. He can return punts for you, and he can do a bunch of different things on offense. Maybe run some jet sweeps, run Mm -hmm. some screens, be Mm -hmm. a slot guy. Maybe he can develop into something more with some more seasoning. But he was a guy that really jumped out that these defensive backs had no chance to cover. Two things about him. 
Number one, I agree with you, and I think that one of these young offensive geniuses that we hear about every weekend when we're watching NFL games would love to get their hands on this kid. Right. Because he just fits what they enjoy doing. Uh, Second thing, did you see the one route where he juked himself out of his own shoes? (laughs) Yes, he did, and he fell down. Yes, it was funny. It was absolutely funny. I mean, the DB had no chance, and then I think Felton broke his own ankles on the play. (laughs) By the way, another guy that I really liked was uh, Western Michigan's Dwayne Eskridge. Okay. Um, He was getting open, I thought, a lot. 5'9", another one of these slot guys, but he had quickness, he had speed. And the one thing I liked, and I think this is one of those things that, that's a little overrated, or underrated sometimes, I should say. He just seems like a really smooth, natural athlete. There was a play where he kind of slipped and fell down coming out of one of his breaks, puts his hand down, regains his balance, stands back up, and a second later identifies the ball in the air and catches the pass. It just showed this kind of a, a higher wide receiver skill level in addition to his physical ability to get open, Mm -hmm. that I think sometimes, you know, we talk about with Evan Ingram sometimes, right? It seems like the ball gets on him quick, and he has trouble reacting to it to make those types of catches. I just thought it was a a very impressive play that showed a higher level of wide receivers. Awareness, especially. Mm -hmm. I would agree with that. But again, folks, uh, that's another guy who's under six feet. In fact, I believe the listing was at 5'9". 5'9", 188 for him. Yep. So so (laughs) when when John was advertising the Smurfs in the crew, he wasn't kidding. And, and, you know, I kept watching some of these guys, and I'm like, okay, Can yeah. we talk about Amari Rogers, 5'9", 210 out of Clemson? Oh. How about Shai Smith, 5'10", 186 out oh, of he, South you know Carolina? What? He, he looked really good. He looked really good. He looked really good. But, again, I'm like, oh, he's a smurf. <laughs> you know, I mean, look, folks, I want to make something very clear. It's because of my, my prejudice in years and years and years of trying to get the Giants a skyscraper that I, I'm slanted in the way I'm looking at these receivers. I want you to understand that. John John can look at them with more of a straight eye because he's just looking for receivers who look like they have skills. I'm looking at them with a little bit of a different eye because I'm specifically shopping for a skyscraper. So here's my question. Am I not going to allow you to ho- – or rather, are you unwilling now to host shows with Lance? Is that going to be part of your uh, prejudice here? Are you where- suggesting that he's not a skyscraper? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, yes, I am. Maybe his ego, but not his height. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, boy. But but here's the thing, you know, and, and, John, this is why, you know, it's very difficult for me to go through the receivers this year because you're you're 1,000% correct in that if the Giants can find, you know, a 5'10 or 5'11 guy who has great quicks, great explosion – and can take that slant pass and go 60 yards, much like what Beckham did for them several years ago. There's nothing wrong with getting a receiver like that on the team. In fact, to be frank with you, they need an explosive player. So I get that, and I would not, but believe you me, if they wind up with a Waddle or a Smith, I'm, I'm not going to cry about it. I'll totally say, Giants, you got yourself an explosive guy. You needed one. You filled the need. Great. My need, if I'm a GM, though, I need my skyscraper. And I, I, would, I just want your tolerance on this because it's, it's, it's something that I'm just going to have to live with. And I'm going to have to have fun with you about it for about three months, <laughs> which is fine. Uh, another small school guy, like two other small school guys I like, the wide receiver, Paul. Uh, yeah. Before we get to two of the, the, two of the bigger guys that, that did practice yesterday, um, 
Kay Johnson out of South Dakota State, 5'10", 186. I thought he was really good. Uh, good route runner, got open in the short range, and he got deep and got over the top a couple times. Okay. And then at a UAB, um, Austin Watkins, I thought he was very impressive, and he's 6'1", 207. So he's mm-hmm. a he's not a tiny guy. He's not a skyscraper either. He's kind of like a uh, you know medium well done if you want to go look at that way. Yeah. Um, receiver. I thought he was able to get pretty good separation. So those are a couple of uh, smaller guys that I liked. And then let me throw out or a couple of smaller school guys that I liked. And then the other guy I, I want to ask you about. You know, Kadarius Tony out of Florida. Mm. I thought he made some really nice plays. And wa- yes. and I had not looked at his measurements when I was watching the tape, right? So watching the tape, I finished watching him, you know, do his thing in practice. And I'm like, you know what? This could be the Tino's guy. I think he's physical. He's going up to the, you know, catch point to, to, to jump and make plays on the ball in the air. And I thought he played a physical brand, the football wide receiver. He had the little subtle push-offs and things like that to gain separation. I was shocked to see him only measure at 5'11", 190. Yes. But I think he plays like a bigger wide receiver. I fully expected, after I had gone back, I, I, I looked at some of the, the, the clips of him, and you're right, John. I said, ooh, this guy's kind of intriguing, but I got some doubts about his size. Let me go look. And then when I went back to the roster and I said, oh, he's not even six feet, I was so disappointed. And I'm like, yeah, but... Boy, the tape doesn't lie. No, he he plays good. big. Yeah. He plays big. Much like Hakeem Nix played like a true skyscraper, even if he wasn't. He played bigger than he was. Yeah, but at least Nix was like 6'1", right? Yes, yes, yes. I'm not comparing him and Nix in that regard. Right. I'm saying in terms of they played bigger than their, their measurements indicated. Now, two of the bigger wide receivers that I want to talk to you about. Nico Collins is the guy that I, I imagine you probably have your binoculars on. Yeah, I like him. 6'4", 215. Not the most sudden guy at the line of scrimmage. It kind right. of takes some time to build up his speed a little bit. But once he does, he can run, and he ran past a couple of guys. He tracked the ball in the air well once or twice. Obviously, not gonna, he's one of these guys that, that didn't play in, in 2020 for Michigan. Um, but you go back to his 2019 tape, there's some good stuff there. I think he's probably a day two pick, Paul. I'm yep. not sure if he's as high as was 43. Is that what the Giants right. are picking? They are 43. 43 in round two. I'm not. Maybe. Uh, he kind of reminds me a little bit of, of, of Denzel Mims last year, a little bit, you know, watching him play. So I think he's an intriguing guy, but I'm not sure he's going to get into that top 50. And then you're going to be in Chase Claypool territory. Well, if you don't pick him there, is he going to last till your third round? No. Pick? He's not going right. to be in the, there in the third round. <laughs> so You're right. You're absolutely right. He's not going to be there. So if you don't get him at 43, you're not going to get him. And I don't know what the other positional values are going to be at 43 as to whether or not I would pull the trigger on him. But that would be the ballpark for me where I would start to think about him. And I thought the other guy, too, uh, Sage Surratt out of Wake Forest. He was the next guy on my list. Go ahead. Oh, see that? All right. And, and he also – you know, has, you know, he's not quite 6'3", but he was the other of the bigger guys who impressed me the most. And he had two of those contested catches. He did. Which I know you're excited about. The problem is Love that he, he really doesn't get a lot of separation. Not particularly. But as I always <laughs> say, though, I always say, I tell people who say to me, well, what about, I say, wait a minute. If he's making the contested catch and he's turning the 50-50 ball into an 80-20 ball, yeah. I'll live with the fact that he's not always getting separation because he'll make that catch to move the chains. Right. You know, he's, if he's going to outfight somebody and it's going to be his ball, 
Well, isn't the ultimate prize just making the play? No, we, we spent some time in the wide receivers. Uh, there wasn't a ton, by the way, in seven-on-seven and team drills that really jumped out at me. I think these teams were kind of just kind of, you know, getting used to each other and the players. Yeah. So we're not going to spend a ton of time talking about that, but we should talk about some of the one-on-ones, O-line, D-line, which is always a lot of fun. And this is going to be a blast in the past for Giant fans. Mm-hmm. Osa Odigizua, <laughs> younger brother of... Former Giants third-round pick, and I don't remember the year offhand. Maybe you do, Paul. Oh, wow. Uh, 2015? Does that yeah, sound about right? Yeah, I think right? it was. Owa Odigizua, also from UCLA. He had a couple tackles for loss during team drills, and then he he, had, he got some penetration during one-on-ones as a, as a defensive tackle. So I thought, he, I thought he had himself a nice little day. Yeah, I, I think he probably is going to help himself based on what we've seen here so far this He's week. He's a good athlete, right? Right. Yeah. But you know what, John? Again, uh, I think that's going to be a guy who's probably uh, a day two pick. No, I yeah, I agree. Yeah, you know, yeah, he's yeah. not going to be a first rounder. But a guy that could be a first rounder is Washington defensive tackle Levi um, Ozariki. I believe I have that. That's right? what I got. So he's a guy that Ozariki. Yes, yeah. yes. You know, he he's somebody that shows a lot of zip. He's one of those kind of fast, athletic, three technique defensive tackles, and he was in the backfield all day. Uh, long, I put down three words on him, long, strong, and explosive. Explosive was the word that I had, absolutely. He, uh, he in my opinion, of all the people that I, I watched and I cherry-picked more so than going through every single play as you did, John, um, he was the one player who I think, above all else, I said, my goodness, that guy is going to make somebody happy. And I'm I'm not saying he's going to be – much higher than late first round. I suspect that that's maybe where he's going to land, but he will be one of those guys who's not a sexy pick when you take him, but he is going to produce in this league. Dalen Hayes, defensive end out of Notre Dame, I thought had some mm-hmm. had some pretty good reps. He had some he had one really nasty uh, bull rush on Spencer Brown from uh, Northern Iowa and just put him right on his keister. Um, it was not a great rep for him, who I believe, I don't think he really played this year because I don't think Northern Iowa's conference played because of the pandemic. But that was a really nice rush. Uh, jumping over to the uh, American side, I was more impressed, I think, with their uh, defensive front. One guy that jumped out to me, Paul, Baylor's William Bradley King, who I had not really read a lot about coming into this combine. Neither did I. He was tall. He was long. He was quick. He played defensive end. He played defensive tackle. I thought he was very impressive. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure what to make out of him because he had no hype at all coming in. And, you know, usually you know you know about some of these guys because they got a little hype and then you're looking at them. Well, when, when I looked at him, I said, like, okay, hmm, he looks pretty interesting. He certainly <laughs> looks the part, right? <laughs> yes. And I, and I, I was like, I'm going to need to watch his game tape because – he must have been very quiet in games, John, for us not to hear about him right. before the, before the uh, Senior Bowl. He must have been quiet. I, I don't know what his game tape shows, but I'm going to guess it probably wasn't what it needed to be. Now, here's a guy that I think is interesting, and I think he fits the classic Patriots mold as kind of that big, powerful defensive end. Now, he, wasn't, he didn't have a loud first day. But he's one of the more solid, and he's projected to be late first round, early second round pick. What do you think of Wake Forest, uh, Carlos Basham? I did not uh, catch him. Okay, 
In my in my cherry pick, I did not catch. When it. you have a chance today, he's he's a bigger defensive end. I'm not sure if I have his measurements in front of me right now. PFF, by the way, put up a really good um article. I think it's free to the public where they listed every single measurement from the combine. Okay. In one thread, which is pretty handy. Paul, 6'3", 281. Mm. At defensive as a defensive end. So that's a guy that can maybe kind of be that Leonard Williams flex guy, right? Where he can play outside on certain plays, on third down. Maybe you put him in a defensive tackle and let him rush that way. So keep an eye on him. I thought he was interesting. Can I can I give you the uh, uh, Ogundaje? Oh, from, uh, from Notre Dame. Yeah, I know. A lot of people liked him too. He looked like he had a wide array of moves, long wingspan, okay, and he was able to move in. He was able to, to make moves on the inside and on the outside. Now, he's only listed at 6'4", 256, so he's not the physical specimen that, you know, you're talking about a moment ago with Basham. But this is a guy who, to me, showed smarts, uh, showed versatility. Again, the wingspan, John, what, they put him down at 85 and a half or something? What do they have? His, uh, do you have his arm length handy or no? Oh, I just put it. Okay. I wrote his wingspan down, 85 and 3.8. I can look that up. Hold on. I have that, I have that website. I can check he it looked like a guy, and you know what we were talking about, and I'm not comparing the players, but the point still holds. 35 and a quarter inch arms. Well, there you go. Well, that's pretty good. Okay. Now, remember how we were talking last year when the Giants got Cam Brown, mm-hmm. and we were saying, look at the arm length on this guy? And with that arm length, there's things that you can do that other guys can't just because of that physical uh, uh, attribute. I think he's. I think this guy's got that. But you know, again, I'm I I'm gonna have to go back. I only saw Notre Dame. I don't know how many games you saw of them this year. I watched them three times this year, and I did not remember any of the games where I was just so enthralled with him that I was like, I can't wait to look at this guy. So I'm going to have to look look more at game film. But he's an in- interesting guy. All right, we could talk more about these players as we move along here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. But the phone numbers, let's open it up. It's a 973-667-1960. Want to remind everybody that Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by the New York Lottery, the new X-Series of Scratch-Offs from the New York Lottery. Multiply your winnings up to 100 times. Please play, please play responsibly. Big Blue Kickoff Live is part of the Giants Podcast Network, which is presented by Investors Bank. You can find the archive of all of our shows at, at Giants.com slash podcast, the Giants mobile app, and all of your favorite podcast platforms and folks don't forget that limited giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2021 season in addition to ticket savings membership benefits include access to exclusive events experiences pre-sales and more you can lock in your seat starting at just 100 dollars. call 888-NYG-1925 or visit giants.com slash tickets for more information okay let's go to the phones and say hello to scott in new mexico to lead off our show today scott what's going on hi guys how you doing today what's up hi uh, first of all, just a comment from yesterday. Uh, I, Paul, I didn't have a chance to call in, but I agree with you in regards to the two uh, championship games. I don't think they were specifically well played, and so I identify with the point that you made yesterday. Thank you. But in regards to your conversation that you're having now and uh, basically what the Giants need to do, I had a question which I mentioned to John earlier. What, what did the Giants learn in regards to the of the two games that were played. And what I mean, and ties into sort of your conversation, uh, 
I'm looking for impact players, as you are. In other words, who's going to make a difference? Who's going to cause different coverages? If you look at the Kansas City team, obviously, and in regards to receivers, the two guys nobody could stop was Kelsey and obviously Tyreek Hill, mm-hmm. who I consider to be one of the best receivers, uh, I guess, in the NFL right sure now. Mm-hmm. And you look at another uh, small receiver like a Henry Ruggs, he didn't really make that a big of an impression with Las Vegas. And they were expecting him to. Uh, I think he had probably less than 20 catches or something like that. Uh, or maybe a little bit more, maybe uh, 30 catches, but uh, didn't have a lot of yardage. So how did the Giants make determinations? Because they looked at those games themselves. They they know what they need, so I'm not going to rehash what positions they need to take. But where where do they find the impact players? Because as I look at the Giants team, I don't see a heck of a lot of impact players. Uh, certainly I was expecting Evan Ingram to be one. He wasn't. Uh, they will be getting Saquon Barkley back, so that's obviously an impact player. But on defense, they may lose a player on the defensive line, so they're going to have to replace him. Do they have the kind of linebackers and so forth that teams like uh, Tampa Bay have uh, who have uh, you know, excellent uh, defensive players? To, to win football games, what's the direction you think? Looking at the two championship games and how those teams got there, What's your perspective on really where they need to go? And I am leaning towards getting sort of a Calvin Johnson type of receiver. (laughs) But those don't grow on trees. Right, exactly. Uh, Scott, you're right. Look, to me, the lessons that I drew from Championship Weekend, you need big play players that are going to make big plays. You win in this league with big plays. Now, look, there, there are exceptions to the rule. You go back when Green Bay played the Rams and they just methodically marched up and down. That's great. You don't see that very often. It's very hard to do, especially right. if you don't have a great offensive line that's going to protect your quarterback and let him sit back there all day to throw the ball. So to me, it's figuring out a way to generate more big plays and then, frankly, high-level quarterback play. And I think we've seen flashes of that from Jones. We haven't seen it consistently. So I think, the, and frankly, I think in order to get the high-level quarterback play, you need the guys that can make big plays as playmakers. So I think that I think those two things kind of go hand in hand a little bit, right? So that's, to me, what I took out of it. And then even to another extent, look, the reason the Packers lost to Tampa Bay was because they could not protect Aaron Rodgers enough during that game. And those sacks short-circuited drives. So on offense, guys that can make big explosive plays. And then on defense, more guys that can wreck drives by getting sacks. uh, Those are the lessons that I took. How about you, Paul? Well, Scott, I'll be honest. I thought the biggest lessons that everybody should have taken had nothing to do with the field. It had to do with the coaching. Uh, I can't say it enough of times. Your head coach, especially your younger head coaches, should right. never be the ones to call the plays. And I thought that both losers this past championship weekend did a horrible job of coaching their teams and not putting them in the best position to win. That's the right. first thing. And I'm so tired. In what way, Paul? Of, I'm just, just curious. Well, let, 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 let's, let's start with Green Bay, Okay. And I'm not even going to go to the end of the game where they totally botched up the last drive and, and they obviously should have made sure that Rodgers knew what the situation was, that they were going to plan to settle for the field goal. And never mind the fact that they should have gone for the, the fourth down and never kicked the field goal. Agree I with, think they made two mistakes there. I agree with all that. Right. But okay. I'll give you, I'll give you the earlier one. How about, well, before you how get about, started on your, on your thing, I think the play that obviously made the difference was well, the halftime play. Miller. Yeah. Well, yeah. Now, here's the thing that really ticks me off about that, and it just shows you how 
how these young head coaches who believe they got to call plays, they get brain lock, they get lost in the game, and they're not as sharp as they have to be. Right. And how, why do I say that? Well, because what you have with eight seconds to go, Tampa Bay calls timeout. Remember, they were going to punt the ball. That's right. And then they decided to call timeout, which means now they've got time to talk about a play with eight seconds left, and your sideline has an opportunity to figure out what you're going to do. Now, you can talk all you want about how the defensive coordinator decided, Petnin, uh, uh decided that he was going to play single, man-to-man, up, up press coverage, and get his, get his defensive back beat. You could talk all you want about that. I'm pointing to the head coach. You know why? Because Tampa called timeout before the play and then threw their offense out there. If I'm the head coach, okay, and my head's not lost in whatever the hell it is that I'm thinking about, I'm making sure that I call over my defensive coordinator and I say, look, you know what we're calling here, right? You know we're playing zone. We're playing four deep. We're playing off coverage. We're, we, we got this, right? All that's fair. No okay? argument. No argument. The, obviously, the defensive coordinator made a horrible call, but where's the head coach's responsibility here? And by the way, part of that's the player's responsibility, too. I don't care what the defensive coverage is called. If you're Kevin King, you can't let that guy run past you. Of course. Either. Well, that, but, right. but, you know, physically... He's not a good matchup against Miller. Well, yeah, so then play 15 yards off of him. Okay, but, but if he's told, here, here's the problem, though, John. You have some coaches who lace into guys when they don't do the call. Uh, that's fair, too. That's okay? fair, too. I'll give you a good example. Joe Przajczyk, back in the fumble in 1978, you guys all know the play, okay? <laughs> yes. You all know the play. Do you know what happened on that play? I know this because Przajczyk told me. I knew. I talked to him years later about it. Everybody in the huddle, Gary Shirk had told me years later, later earlier, everyone in the huddle is yelling at Przarczyk, what are you calling a handoff for? Just go down, take a knee. Right. Przarczyk tells the guys in the huddle, coach told me I have to run his play. I can't call an audible. I have to run the play, he told me. He had gotten laced <laughs> out earlier in the season where he was so badly fried and sizzled that he was basically told, under no circumstances do you ever go against the play call or wow. you're going to be fired. That's interesting. So so Przarczyk calls the handoff, even though the entire huddle's begging him not to. And, of course, what happens? The ball gets fumbled and Coach Gibson gets fired. Okay? So you don't know if, if King was told to play that coverage and if he has been intimidated to basically be told you don't have a choice. You have to do what you're told. This goes back all the way to the head coach, as far as I'm concerned. He has Tampa Bay calling a timeout. How in the hell is he not conferring with his D.C. to confirm exactly what they're supposed to do? And especially since, And especially since there's no chance the offense is getting the ball back anyway. So what the, heck, what the heck else is he doing? I, I, he's, he's sitting there daydreaming about analytics is what he's probably doing. <laughs> okay? So, so kiss my butt, pal. Because what does analytics have anything to do with it? Uh, you know how these young whippersnappers are. <laughs> Bottom line is so this, this game, and, of course, the Bills, the same thing. How many times yeah. did they settle for field goals when they absolutely shouldn't have done it? Yeah. And, and, and then they went for the two instead of the one by, at the, near the end of the game. And, Paul, you're right, and, Scott, and uh, we – I will let you continue very quickly. The last thing I'll throw out there is that I think the other thing, Daniel Jeremiah made this point on his Move the Sticks podcast the other day. In the playoffs, 
I would always rather err on the side of being aggressive if you're a head coach, especially if you're playing an Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady. You know, field goals generally are not going to beat these guys. So if you have a chance to score a touchdown, go out there and try and score a touchdown. So anyway, coaching, it was never more apparent to me than with the two losing teams this weekend that coaching is so, so important. And it is obvious that some some of these, uh, uh, again, I, 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 young right. geniuses, as they're all called. Oh, he won 13 games during the regular season. He's a young genius. He's the next real Bill Walsh. Oh, so nice Tampa, going, the, the pal. Tampa game, the Tampa Bay game specifically, I thought it was badly officiated also. So uh, well, the, that yeah, compounded yeah. the problem. Yeah. I'll give you one uh, player thing, though, Scott. You did ask, mm-hmm. and I don't want to cut you short on this, but I, wanted, sure. I do want to give you one player thing that was also – uh, very apparent to me, and that is um, we talk all the time about uh, how players or, or teams, especially on offense, you know, you want to avoid negative plays. You've heard that Correct. phrase so many times because a loss or a penalty, a sack, those are negative plays and how you get yourself caught behind the chains. I think in, in many cases, and we saw it this weekend, empty plays, empty plays for me, are a busted block that leads to a no gain or a drop pass or a contested catch that wasn't made. Those are empty plays. They're not negative plays because they don't become negative losses of yardage on the stat sheet, but they were missed opportunities to gain yardage and you got nothing for it. Empty plays. I saw a lot of empty plays this past weekend, especially on the losing sides. And I don't think people understand the, I don't want to use the word value, but the, uh, the uh, negative impact of empty plays, not just negative plays. Right. When, when, and I agree with you. One of the points, and I'll, I'll get off the air so and get some more calls, but with the Giants specifically, I always looked, as we talked earlier about, about the impact player. You look at Kansas City and you see what Chris Jones did by himself. Uh, you already know what Aaron Donald could do. So, I like Dalvin Thompson. I like um, Williams, um, but I but I'm looking for the guy that somebody has to do something against. So if you were the Giants head coach or the Giants, um, you know, management team, do you look for a defensive impact player or do you look for the offensive impact player since they basically finished thirty first in the league in scoring and you need that wide receiver to be the first pick? Uh, because I'm not interested in what. Um, who they pick. I'm interested at the end of the day, wins and losses. I'm not really interested in the draft. The draft's the crap shoot. And I always look for some impact play that's going to make the difference. So if you're leading one way or the other, where are you guys? And I'll take the answers off the air, guys. Thanks. Offense. I mean, to me, it, 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 it's an easy answer. I mean, look, I'm assuming that you're holding on to Leonard Williams as, as part of this conversation, by the way. I would hope so. If you lose Leonard Williams, then it's a whole different it's a whole different talk because then you have basically no one that you can count on to win one-on-one to mm-hmm. rush the passer, which mm-hmm. obviously is, is, is untenable. But assuming you get Leonard Williams back, Paul, you have enough on defense to be better than good or at least, you know, at, at worst league average, which is fine. You're on 15th. That's okay. But they need they need somebody that can juice this offense up and give Saquon some help when he gets back, at least with the passing game. Look, I, I, I look at it this way. I, I'd like to look at the whole meatloaf package between free agency and the draft. 
I think it's clear to me, John, and, and I think we're really going to be saying the same thing here. They need to get at least one impact player on offense, and I would like one impact player on defense. By the time the entire offseason is complete, and I don't care how they obtain them, make it a draft pick, make it free agency. I don't care. I'd like to see one, maybe two on offense if I could get them, and that may be hard to do, and I'd like to see one on defense. And the defensive guy could very easily, if it's not going to be a, 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 a just a premier pass rusher who could help him out and give Williams some help on, that, on, the, on the other side, it might simply be that corner two who turns out to be an impact player because he helps shut down that side of the field opposite Bradbury. 973-667-1960. Let's go back to the phones. Call, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Coach Marvin. Coach. Oh, Coach, What's it's up, been man? a while. How are you? Yeah, it's, 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 sometimes it's tough to, to get to you guys, but uh, I kept trying today, and uh, I'm doing some other stuff with uh, Instagram, so uh, my son had me doing a little football on Instagram, talking on there. So Cool. Doing. Hey, no, Coach, now, do me a favor. At some point, I'm going to have you give Paul a call, and you need to give him an Instagram tutorial so we can teach uh, him how no. to better utilize social media for I his brand. I am never going on Instagram. <laughs> I don't have an account, and I'll never be on it. I Leave me alone. Way, Paul. I was the same way, and uh, my son talked me into it, and, and it's not that bad. It's you know, Paul, bad. by the way, I have a great idea for you. You know, it doesn't have to be like – like your Twitter feed, right? Where you like talk football or do whatever. Right. Here's what you here's what you need to make your Instagram account. You can do a picture a day of something that you saw on one of your walks. And I'm serious. And that can yeah. be all your Instagram can be. Okay. A picture a day. This was the favorite part of my walk. It can be something funny, something oh. cool, something you really dislike, which I'm sure it'll be that more often than not. You know, <laughs> the the strange looks people give you as you walk yes, a million miles yes. an hour past their stores. I'm serious. Honestly, I'm, o- I'm only half kidding. That could, that could actually, on, actually be a fun Tatino Instagram account. I'm not even joking. I'm going to talk to your daughter, Paul, and I'm going to oh, make this happen. Oh my goodness! I I agree with him, Paul. And hey, I'm I'm an older guy, and uh, I I got into it. And John is right. You you can just take pictures of things you like once a day, and that's what a lot of people are doing. Uh, a lot of them are doing that. And um, you can so put some pasta on better. there, Paul. You can put some pictures of some pasta. You can, you can do some Italian food. <laughs> oh, I am putting up a Twitter poll about this right now. <laughs> Go ahead, you guys that's talk. I won't and, and be I pressured think, into anything, but maybe I'll think about it. In the meantime, Coach, what do you have for us? Uh, well, I was going to talk about um, you were talking about the kind of receiver you're looking for. Um, and uh, picking at 11, I'm thinking um, maybe one of those uh, top receivers may fall if they're the best one on the board at the time 11 comes. I don't know what the best player would be, but if one of those top receivers on there, I wouldn't mind them doing that. But um, – I also I have mentioned to John and Lance a couple a few weeks ago um, of their opinion, and I was looking at Pitts as if he falls to eleven. Uh, I feel he probably if those receivers are gone, he may be the best player on the board at eleven at that time. If he gets did, there, have, what's that, John? If he get, if he gets there, coach, there's uh, yeah. there are a lot of people think he could go top ten. Yes, he he could he can go in the, he can go in that top seven somewhere like that, but um, there there is um, cases where he could go um, in outside the top ten, 
Um, I'm thinking because now these teams are trading quarterbacks. Who's looking for a quarterback? And that could um, push them a little bit down towards the 11th because of the uh, quarterbacks that are out there and teams that are getting rid of quarterbacks or quarterbacks needing to be traded. Um, Of the three receivers, Marvin, which one of those top three receivers would you want the most if you had your druthers between Chase, Smith, and Waddle? For me, it's Chase. I want Waddle. Um, no kidding. I like Waddle. I like Waddle. Okay. Um, you can't go wrong with any of the three. Let's, no, not, kid, let's not kid ourselves. You, no, you're right. And I, I, I try to do that on this show. I don't want people to feel that they're wrong. It's just their opinion. And you're right. Those three guys, any one of them, the Giants pick, I'm going to be thrilled. I wouldn't be down on any of those three guys. But if you ask me to take a choice, I would probably go Waddle. Um, the explosiveness he brings to the game, the special teams he brings to the game. Um, against Smith, I think his size is – I like his size over um, Smith's. Um, um, so I, I, I like Waddle in that case. But I, I was listening to you talking about you like a big receiver, and that's why Pitts, I think, if those receivers are gone and Pitts is there, you're talking a six six guy that knows how to get open, um, in the red zone, you can split him out wide in the red zone, and he play against cornerbacks. He's big enough, strong enough to play those guys. That is definitely a mismatch in the red zone, and this guy knows how to get open in the middle of the field. And um, mm-hmm. I, and I like that for um, Ingram because I think that will also free up Ingram a little bit on based on teams trying to figure out which one of those tight ends they're going to be worried more about. Um, so I, I think it just brings a little more to the table for them if they went with the uh, if the if they go with Pitts, that would bring a lot more versatility to the team with him and Ingram in the um, lineup. But we would still need some type of receiver on the outside, maybe um, a free agent come in to balance that out a little bit. Um, but uh, that's that's pretty much all I have to say. Thank you, Coach. Appreciate the all call. All right, John. Thank yeah, you, I'll take care. And, Paul, get Instagram. <laughs> Be well, Coach. Thanks for calling. Hey, John, in talking about those receivers. By the and- way, I have not done enough work on Wild and Chase and, and Smith to have a, have a firm opinion on that. I, I gravitate, I think, towards Jamar Chase myself um, just because of measurements and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I, I don't have a surefire opinion on that yet. I, I haven't done significant study. It's just the games. You've seen a lot of LSU the last few years as you right. have Alabama. So from just watching those games, Chase would be my guy, and there's no doubt that his size, his frame, a little bit bigger, is, is, is something that I raised the other day with Lance on the program, and so I would tend to lean toward him. Now, I did see a lot of commentary coming out of yesterday's Senior Bowl day, John. It was weigh-in day, measurement and weigh-in day, and uh, actually the day before, I guess. And there were quite a number of people who were shaking their heads and raising a yellow flag at Devontae Smith not going through all the way in the measurement stuff. Mm-hmm. And the it's funny because when I talked about this with Lance on the program last week, you know, he fought me tooth and nail as he always does. <laughs> and, you know, but the fact is they raised the very question that I was raising. And that is, are you going to be concerned and how much of a question mark is it going to be in your personnel profile for Smith 
in terms of his frame and his durability when he gets to the next level. And what were the questions that we saw down at the Senior Bowl? Well, they said maybe he didn't want to be measured because he's actually going to be a little further away from six feet than people were saying. Well, and, oh, or maybe, maybe further away weight. from that's that's where I would go. I yeah. think I think he's worried about weighing in at like one sixty eight or something, something there crazy are people, like that. Yeah, I, one one fellow, one of the draft nicks, um, I heard him. I heard him on uh, on one of the audio programs that I was I was catching up on said that there were pro scouts who were saying to him, well, they think he's going to be like 175 to 180. They think that's where he's going to top out, in the high 170s. You mean like when all, when he's like in his seventh year in the league or in terms of no, before no, the draft? No, no, by no. The, by, the by the time he gets to the NFL camp I got you. In, the, okay. in the fall. I got you. They think he could be just a shade under maybe 177, mm-hmm. 178. I could see that. And the fear is that right now, if he were to go and weigh in, that he might be even lower than anticipated. And people are going to say, well, Jesus, if you're 170 or you're 168 or whatever it is, how the hell are you going to get close enough to 180, which is more than likely where the NFL is going to want him to be? And this is going to cause a red flag. And there are going to be people who will be concerned about his smallest frame and his durability, because you know, and understandably those... so. By the way, there just haven't been many receivers that have been successful, and 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 this is a big Len thing, right? That don't weigh 180 pounds. It's hard. Len is very big on that, and I think there is a reason to at least yellow flag it. Absolutely, I'm not saying he's not going to be a great player. Look, the Giants may get him, and he may turn out to be a multiple-time Pro Bowl player. That could be, but going in. When you're looking for yellow flags and or red flags, I think his frame has to be considered a yellow flag, and it would move him below Chase on my rankings. Yeah, and I would have to see more of Waddle. Obviously, I've seen him, but I haven't done the, the enough study of him. But yeah, and, and by the way, just from our selfish perspective for, for, for what we do with the team, did you watch his interview that Devontae Smith did with NFL Network yesterday? I did not. <laughs> I think there was one answer that went more than four words. It, oh was, it was it was okay. a, it was a rough go. You know, it I was think... a rough go, man. Oh, <laughs> I felt so Edge Siciliano was trying his butt off. Was Daniel he? Jeremiah and Bucky Books are trying. And boy, hey, look, and, and it doesn't seem like a bad kid. He's just very quiet and reserved, and that's fine. But yeah, it was um it was something. Yeah. I will say this, John, and we we've talked about the connection that Judge has with the college programs and then obviously Alabama more than anywhere else. If he is on the board, if Smith is on the board, the Giants will have as much information on him as yeah. anybody in the entire universe will. And by the way, his off-field stuff is apparently immaculate. Like yes. He is great football character. All yes. that stuff is, is fantastic. So if they take him, it means they have 150% conviction that he is going to be the impact player that they need. And I would totally support the pick if they took him, understanding that Judge is going to know. Sure, and and, okay? and, and to Coach Marvin's point, by the way, Jalen Waddle before his injury, actually had better numbers than Devontae That's Smith. Right. He did. So, but, but again, take the that injury is another yellow flag that you have to give to your medicals, and your medical folks have to say, we don't think that injury is a cause for concern right. at all. He still grades out as a 5 which means, you know, well, he's not going to be a five. Pristine is five. He's not pristine. He's had ankle surgery. So the best he can grade out to is a four on the medical grade, which says 
he's had something, but it's not going to be a long-term issue. So, you know, again, that's a yellow flag for me, though. Uh, We'll see. We'll see. Don't miss out on your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giant Games and world-class concerts in 2021 as a Giant Suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com suites for more information. Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by the New York Lottery, the new X-Series of scratch-offs from the New York Lottery. Multiply your winnings up to 100 times. Please play responsibly. The New York Giants and Quest Diagnostics want our fans to come back stronger than ever. Now you can order your own lab test through Quest Direct to get the health answers you need most. And finally, Giant fans get a New York Giants checking account from Investors Bank with a Giants brand that debit card security features and discounts at the Giants online shop. You can earn up to $250 when you open an account at investorsbank.com slash Giants member FDIC. All right, let's go back to the calls. Uh, call you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Len from Columbia, Maryland. Oh, Never... Len, I didn't even know you were there and I called you out. How about <laughs> that? How about that? <laughs> Thank you. Never draft anybody who weighs less than 180 pounds anywhere in the draft. Um, Hey, uh, you guys were talking about something with Scott today, which was really important. I want to put some numbers to it, if I could. Sure. And that is the need for elite, five-star, impact, difference-maker-type players. That we, you know, we throw those words around as that that's that's what the Giants need. And I, I certainly agree with that, just using those terms. But let me let me put some numbers on it to show the importance of that. Using this year's AP All-Pro team, not pro bowlers, 61 All-Pros on this team. Um, The Giants didn't have anybody. They were one of nine teams that did not have one of those those 61 players. Now, in fairness, I think there are good arguments for both Leonard Williams and Bradbury to be on those teams. And And I think the fact that the Giants were bad... And frankly, have been bad for a while. Probably hurt those guys in the voting because they're not televised nationally as much. So team play, you know, they, they don't get seen as much on TV, which impacts voting. But I, I understand your larger point. Yes. Okay. Now rem- me- remember one other thing, Len. Yes. Is that the we we all talk about how the Pro Bowl is is kind of something we snicker at, and yes. we say, well, the the All Pro is the bigger deal. Well, the All Pro team is voted on by the beat writers in each city. Yes. Well, let's not kid ourselves, okay? The beat guys don't necessarily see as much football as they would like you to believe. Well, and by the way, and 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 in all honesty, like if someone had to ask me, like for example, Led, if someone asked me this year who like the best cornerback on the let me pick a random team that I didn't watch a lot, like on the Jaguars is, you know what I mean? I wouldn't be able to tell you that. The Giants didn't play the Jaguars this year. They didn't play the Jaguars last year. They're never on national TV. So how would I be able to identify who the best corner on the Jaguars are? You know what I mean? Yep. Go yeah, ahead. And, and, and I think, you know, with the argument that I had with Lance last week when, when we were talking about, I guess it was Chris Jones made the all-NFL team, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't that right? Yeah, Chris correct. Jones made mm-hmm. And yeah. yet his stats across the board were blown away by Leonard Williams. Leonard Williams absolutely destroyed him in almost every category. And, of course, you know, Lance has to stick up for Chris Jones just to be difficult. And I understand that, okay? But in truth, how many times did I watch Kansas City play this year? Probably three times. Yeah. So, so you know, I can, I can say all I want to about Leonard Williams because I watched him every single snap. And yeah. I know how great he really is. But – 
can I really say outside of the dominant numbers over Chris Jones, can I say concretely that he really 1,000% belongs over him? All I have are numbers. I can't can't give you a a play-by-play visual because I didn't have it. So what I'm saying to you is this NFL All-Pro team that is selected by the Associated Press writers in every city, you could pretty much snicker at that team too if you want to because these folks don't nearly know as much as they think they do. Okay. Let me um, – don't, don't take this as a negative. Um, fact is, Leonard Williams didn't make the Pro Bowl. Fact is, Bradbury did, but he didn't make all pro. Right. Jo- uh, John, you started to answer my question before I got to that point. Let me, let me give you a couple of more numbers on the importance of what Scott was talking about in, in his phone call. Um, in the quarterfinals this year, right, the last eight teams – 29 players on the AP All-Pro team. That's 29 out of 61? 29 out of 61. Okay, right. Not less than two players. Mm-hmm. No, well, I'm sorry. 13 of, the, uh, th- th- um, 13 of the 14 playoff teams had two players or more. The mm-hmm. Redskins had one. When you get to the quarterfinals, the eight teams had 29 players. On that all protein. How much do you think Len has that has to do with confirmation bias is the wrong word, but guys just you know more willing to vote for guys on better teams. You know what I mean? Well, I, I, I wonder how that, much that has to do that with that. I think that happens, and I also think, and you've heard me say this before, guys. I think you make the Pro Bowl the first eight weeks of the season. You make All Pro the second eight weeks of the season. Ah, the the other way you do too. it, Lane, is that you have your best games on the nationally televised <laughs> That's games. That's so yeah, big. Yeah, there you Absolutely go. Yeah, right. So I think mm-hmm. that all of that has something to do with it. But the bottom line is these are the numbers to make Scott's point. Here's one other. There was only one rookie in that 61. There were two second-year players. There were a couple of players on the other side of eight years in the league. But 55 to 56 of the players were three- to eight-year guys. Mm-hmm. That sounds about right. Who are, what does Leonard Williams have to do? <laughs> I'm going to sound like my Linville, <laughs> you know, my Linville question when they, when they didn't re-sign Linville, John. I kept saying to you, what the heck didn't this guy do? But what, you know, what, what does Leonard have to do to be on, if it's that important, that you got to have at least two players to get to the quarterfinals. Now, again, this is just one year, but what is Leonard? I mean, what kind of numbers does Leonard have to put up? That's why I don't think you can use that as a true barometer, because there's nothing more he could have done this year. Uh, he he led defensive tackles in sacks. I'm not counting to Aaron Donald because he's not a human being. He's 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 something else. So <laughs> he led all human defensive tackles yeah. in sacks. Well, they, so I mean, I don't know what else you want. What well, else well, he could have done? It, it, to be I, honest I, with you. I agree. I agree. But the, the, again, John, the fact is, you got to put up better numbers to be the All Pro. No, I, I think you need here, and, and I think this is one of the reasons you don't get a lot of first or second year guys on the on on on, on the on the team. Len, yeah. while it's supposed to be a vote for how good a guy is this particular year, there is a lot of legacy impact oh, in, yes. in, in in this voting process. I agree so with you, John. I think. Yeah. Even though Williams was great this year, people think back. Well, look, he had two sacks the year, two years ago. Last year, he had like a half a sack. Eh, yeah. He's a flash in the pan. He's gonna have to show this to me for another year before I vote him for the All Pro team. Yeah. I bet you some people, right or wrong, 
probably thought that way. Yeah, yeah. Because remember, perception becomes reality, yeah, and the perception, yeah, yeah, especially yeah, amongst yeah. the New York media, yeah. is that Leonard Williams was an underachiever for years. Yeah. Well, how do we? How do you know? If you want to make significant, and and again, yesterday I talked about playing playing in January, not just meaningful games in December. I want to be playing in January. You know what that means? I want to be in the playoffs. And if you need if you need these all pro players to you know, to get there. Who are these guys? Okay, you know what? I think that's a good question. So, let, let, Len, thanks for the call. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate Thank it. Thanks, John. No problem. So, before we say goodbye here, and if we get one more call, maybe we'll try to squeeze you in if you're getting really okay, quick John. here. If you had to take a guess, Paul, I'm taking Saquon Barkley out of the equation because I think we all know that he's a all-pro, Pro Bowl. I think he actually made the all-pro Pro Bowl team once already, right? Saquon did. I think he did as a rookie, right? That sounds about right, Barkley. Did he make the Pro Bowl or All-Pro ones? I think he did. I think I think anyway. he was. Well, he was uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year that, that, Dis- that first year. Fine. Exactly. Discounting Barkley, discounting Leonard Williams, discounting Bradbury. Who do you think the next, and not counting Graham Gano, who is the next most likely player that you think will de- either is, will make, or will develop into an All-Pro or Pro Bowl level player? I think there's a legitimate chance with another step this year that Jabril Peppers could do it. I think there's a chance. You think he's the most likely? Is he more likely than a Blake Martinez? I think probably. I think I think people kind of think they know what Blake Martinez is, and that's the thing. And I and if he hasn't made it yet with all those tackles, he's probably not going to. You right. know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, what was he? He was top three by anybody stretching the imagination in the unofficial tackle stat for what four years in a row. I wouldn't. And he still hasn't made it. I wouldn't go with any tight ends or wide receivers, despite the fact Ingram made it this year as a tight end. Could you go with, like, this is going to sound crazy, could you go with either Nick Gates or Andrew Thomas? Is I don't that think, crazy? I, I don't think Thomas is far-fetched because when they took him where they did, they believe he is a franchise left tackle, and a franchise left tackle certainly should be able to make a couple of all-star teams. How about Dexter Lawrence? Uh, you know, I don't think he's ever going to get enough sacks to get that kind of recognition. I think that's a fair point. I I I think hmm. I think Peppers, it's a tough question actually. Peppers and Thomas would be the two guys for me, one on each side of the ball, who I think could potentially get that kind of recognition at some point in the next couple of years. And look, this is pure projection, and I mean pure projection. And it's a sleeper, and it would be a risky, high risk type of pick. Want to say McKinney? Could you? That that was my thought. That would be the only other guy in the ballpark for me that I would kind of consider in that category. And I think that kind of goes to Len's point, right? I think you need a couple more guys that, and again, the, the guys we were talking about are pretty young, right? So maybe next year we feel even better about it than we do now, but we need to see continued improvement from kind of that group of guys sure. that are on the tail end now or the second half of their rookie contracts. Mm-hmm. to start becoming those guys that are on their fifth-year options, like Peppers, uh, like an Ingram, who's going into their third year like a Dalvin, um, like a uh, Dexter Lawrence. You know, these are the guys that the time's now. I mean, if you're going to make the jump, this is the time to make that jump. Oh, yeah. So, you know, and I said this last year, and I think one of the reasons the Giants only went 6-10 and 10, because not enough of these guys did this, you need those guys on those rookie contracts to take a step. And look, they got killed last year because one of those key guys was Barkley. He got hurt. 
One of those keys guys was was Lorenzo Carter. He got hurt. You know, DeAndre Baker had all the stuff off the field. They had to let him go. Beal didn't play. Uh, Will Hernandez got COVID, never got back on the field. These are all the guys, Paul, if you remember before the season we were talking about that needed to take a step up, right, for this team to make a big-time improvement. And I don't think enough of them did. So that's still going to be the case now moving forward for the Giants to get to the playoffs and compete. Those guys are going, and Daniel Jones is in that group now too heading into year three, right? Those guys are all going to have to continue to improve to become those type of pro bowl and all pro consideration players that the Giants need to, to make a run in the playoffs. Full circle, John, this goes back to what we talked about much earlier during the program. When you said about, you know, adding, I guess it was Scott who wanted to know about adding an impact player on offense or defense. Well, the truth of the matter is, if they can add an impact player at the number 11 selection in the draft, whether it's offense or defense, I don't care, and maybe make one splash with one free agent. Which, Again, boy, might, which, defense, which, by the way, might be, if you're resigning Leonard Williams, that might be really hard. It might be. It might be. Again, we don't know what the cap is right. going to be, and, and That's the why Giants I said might. can do a lot of maneuvering, John. Right, but they might have to maneuver just to be able to afford Leonard. They might. It depends. Again, like I said, we don't know. We don't know. It's possible. We don't know. In a perfect world, in a perfect world, uh, you know, you can get lucky, and maybe between your first and second round picks and one free agent, you can get at least two impact players out of those three. Yeah, you hope so. That's what you're hoping for. Sure. At least. Paul, good stuff, my friend. All right, John. All right, well, more coverage of the Senior Bowl. Make sure you stay tuned to Giants.com. I'll have another story coming today, hopefully not in the wee hours of the morning, hopefully a little bit earlier than that, but we'll see how it goes uh, with the coverage today and when that video gets posted. And, of course, Big Blue Kickoff Live tomorrow uh, will be Jeff Fiegels and I at noon continuing to talk Senior Bowl and everything New York Giants football. Big Blue Kickoff Live was presented by the New York Lottery, the new X series of scratch-offs from the New York Lottery. Multiply your winnings for up to one up to up to 100 times. Pardon me. Please play responsibly. And Giant fans, remember that Big Blue Kickoff Live is part of the Giants Podcast Network presented by Investors Bank. You can find the archive of all of our shows at Giants.com slash podcast, the Giants mobile app, and all of our favorite podcast platforms. For Paul Dottino, I am John Schmunk. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you on Thursday at noon for another live edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Thanks for being with us. And go vote in the poll that I put up on Twitter if Paul Dottino should start an Instagram account. It's up there. Paul, I expect you to vote too. And I want you to retweet it for me. Everybody, vote. The answer is no. Do you want Paul to create an Instagram account? The The answer answer is is no. Have a good day. Right now with 30 votes in, 53% no, we've seen enough. 47% yes, more Datino. Get your votes in. The, the, The vote will close in two days. Incidentally, right in the middle of the show on Friday when me, Paul, and Lance are hosting. So we'll have the final results then. Have a good one, everybody.